what I say to restaurant chains all the time, um, you may have the best price a 30 unit chain can get. It's just not the best price. And, and so what group purchasing does is they bundle everybody's purchases and then um, go back to the food manufacturers and say, what's our price? What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give Innovation. I am joined today by Edward Zimmerman, who is the president of The Food Connector and former president of Pizza.com, Success Foods Marketing, as well as the former VP of Marketing of Bellissimo Foods and the author of dozens of hospitality articles. He has close to 40 years of hospitality experience and has done business in all 50 states. Most recently, drumroll please, in North Dakota. Uh, well, he said that not most recently, but that was the last of the 50. So anyway, that's Edward. the one that checked the last box for me. <laughs> so Edward, thanks for joining us today on Give an Ovation. Um, first okay. of all, yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, I'd love for you to kind of explain a little bit about what does the Food Connector do? Because when you have 40 years of hospitality experience, um, you, you got to be doing something pretty cool with all that experience. And you are. So I would love for you to share what the Food Connector is. Sure. Thanks, Zach. I appreciate the intro. Um, you know, as you said, I've spent a lot of years in the industry and, and different from what many people in the industry have done. Um, I've, I've spent time as a restaurant operator and manager, as a food manufacturer, as a food distributor, as a uh, started, I, I started a buying group of uh, pizza and Italian food distributors. I've done marketing, brokerage. I've really seen every seat on the Ferris wheel, and it's really allowed me a lot of perspective. Um, when I started the Food Connector, uh, really almost 20 years ago, the whole idea was that I had seen hundreds of small and mid-sized food manufacturers and food distributors who had some sort of differentiated product or service, but they didn't really know how to grow. They knew how to work harder. They knew how to come in half an hour earlier than they did the day before and work a little bit harder, which is what most of us do in the food industry. But once you get to about hour 18, um, really runs out of how much more you can do in terms of, of working hard. And, um, and so, you know, the old adage, of course, is to work smart. And what the Food Connector does is we work with small and mid-sized food manufacturers and distributors to help them design a marketing plan that leverages uh, digital technology, newer tools, older tools, and, um, and really stay on track. So many small and mid-sized food companies don't have a dedicated person who's managing um, marketing, it winds up being a, 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 a side job or, a, or, or some a, of the, know. one of the GMs, Hey, can you like respond or can you like post? Yeah, 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 totally. Or committee. Hey, let's have our marketing meeting committee next Tuesday. And then um, something happens, a stove blows up, a truck breaks down, Sally calls in sick and it's like, yeah, <laughs> we'll do marketing next week. Uh -huh. And, you know, so what we do is really design those programs. We're accountable to those programs and to the results. And um, we really keep our customers on track, not only with marketing, but really with strategy. So, Edward, what, what size groups do you typically work with? Um, uh, typically, um, um, food distributors, uh, less than 100 million food manufacturers, 
150, 200 million and, and, and less. Um, we've done a lot of startups, um, a lot of companies who are getting into the business. So um, we just we just like working with um, interrupters and disruptors. And so we really have a preference for small and mid-sized companies. They're, they're the ones doing innovation. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of innovation, you, there's a there's this concept out there that is very um, it's very old, but in the hospitality space, it's pretty innovative, and it's all about how do you how do you work together more? How do you do group purchasing? And I know you've got a lot of fascinating stuff to talk about on this, and would love to dive in and learn about what is group purchasing, what's the benefits of it, why do it. Sure. So if, if you look at the history of group purchasing um, in food service in the United States, it really started on the non-commercial side. And it makes sense. It was hospital groups and college and university where food was being served, but it wasn't the reason that people were coming. And so you didn't have necessarily people that were running those that had that same level of food service experience. They were more administrators than food service professionals. And not to, not to denigrate them, they, they had a lot of skill, but they weren't running a commercial facility. And so um, they started talking informally. What are your best practices? And one thing led to another, and it's, what are you paying for chicken breast this week? Uh-huh. And uh, over time, they said, you know, if we took your purchasing volume and my purchasing volume, we put it together. And that's really how it started. And, and it, was, it was prevalent in those, um, in those segments 60s, 70s, 80s. In the 90s, it started coming into the commercial side of the business. And, um, and um, now it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty prevalent. Um, I'm personally connected with a, uh, with a company that works with uh, over 450 restaurant chains. And the theory is pretty simple. Um, prices bit is based on volume. And um, what I say to restaurant chains all the time, um, you may have the best price a 30 unit chain can get. It's just not the best price. And, and so what group purchasing does is they bundle everybody's purchases and then um, go back to the food manufacturers and say, we represent 60,000 locations that buy 10,000 cases a week. What's our price? And volume rules. And uh, in, in our business, and I'm sure in others, um, the small guy pays for the big guy. And if, uh, you know, joining group purchasing puts you in the... Uh, on the side of being part of the big guy and um, the group, uh, per, you know, um, take four. There you go. And, and so what the, what the group does is um, gets better pricing and then passes those prices along, sometimes in the form of rebates, sometimes in uh, contract pricing, sometimes in both. And um, typically there's no cost to join. Typically there's not long-term contracts to join, but you get exposed to better pricing um, and then, and then also um, other other items besides just food. I mean, certainly non-foods and chemicals and janitorial, but but things like office supplies and cell phone service. And um, one of my favorites are uh, shoes for crews because um, shoes typically are an expense that the employee has, so it's really seen as a uh, HR benefit to now get discounts on on the shoes that you need for work. And um, you know, it's just a great process. You get to meet and learn from um, other restaurant chains, um, typically not competitive because they're from all over the country. And, um, and then you also get to see some deep dives of data. What, what, is, what are you paying for sliced black olives? And how does that compare? And, you know, we generate reports that say you're buying sliced black olives better 
than 68% of the people in our group. Um, that lets you know that there's some upside um, for you on, on better pricing. And if you're buying sliced black olives better than only 9%, you know there's some real upside. And, right. uh, so it just gives you some real transparency into pricing, into markets, into trends. And um, it's, a, it's a great process um, to, to be a part of. And this is something that's interesting because it's been going on in the medical space for a long time where doctors will subscribe to these, you know, basically these databases where they'll put in how much they're paying and who they're paying that amount to. And so that way it's a lot harder to get ripped off on any one thing because you can see that. And, and in the restaurant space, sometimes it's harder because you have, you have a much higher inventory of things that you're purchasing and it's a much smaller price point, right? You're not, you're not buying, you know, actual gold for crowns, right? You're, you're buying olives. And so, um, but, you know, you count your pennies and the dollars add up real quick. That's now, right. And, and, you know, Zach, what happens is purchasing becomes very emotional in, uh, in hmm. the restaurant space. You know, think about um, uh, if you have a, you know, pest control service, you know, no one gets emotional about what they pay for pest control. Yeah. <laughs> But they sure get emotional about what they pay for chicken or cheese, and and well, so beef most recently, like this last year. I mean, beef was. I mean, that was crazy, right? Yeah, and and on the produce side, you know, especially when um when the when the produce growing seasons are in transition, and sometimes it isn't how much am I paying for lemons? It's are lemons even available? And so um, people get emotional about it, and they get their ego involved. And and again, if if you were going to open a new location. You'd call a local realtor, a commercial realtor, and say, hey, I'm looking for a new space in such and such a city. Um, and, and there would be no ego about that. But you start talking about chicken or beef, and all of a sudden, a chef or a food service manager will say, well, I'm, I don't need any help in buying beef or chicken. I've been doing this my whole career. And it, it's emotional, and it just doesn't have to be. And being part of a group takes the emotion out and just lets you react to the data. Love that. Now, now you work on with the manufacturer distributor side of things. It, is group purchasing kind of a soft way of saying unionize, right? It's kind of like, do, do, do the distributors and manufacturers look at this as like a bad thing? It, um, I'm, I'm going to answer it in two parts because they look at it differently. How food manufacturers look at it is that they're creating a direct relationship um, with, a, with a restaurant. Um, so often when I was in, in food manufacturing and, and distribution, I knew what distributor I was selling my product to, but I didn't always know who the distributor was selling it to. So now, now manufacturers have a direct relationship. They understand who their customer is, so they can go to them on a direct basis and say, we've developed three new items and you're already a fan of our products. I'd love to show them to you. Um, or it also creates some stickiness. Um, we're, we're all faced with competitive pressures all the time. So if a, if a manufacturer is selling someone a stuffed chicken breast and another manufacturer comes in and says, I'd like to show you a competitive product in the back of the mind, the, uh, the customer says, but you know, I'm in this group purchasing program. Um, I get a 50 cent a case rebate. Um, I get $2 off on a contract price on a case. I'm pretty happy where I am. So you create that, that stickiness and, um, and that loyalty. So manufacturers typically like it, and that's what they're paying for. They're paying, um, in, in all the years that I was a manufacturer, I, was, I would always say, 
I'd rather I'd rather give someone a dollar a case off um, to stay a customer than four dollars a case off to try to win them from someone else. <laughs> yeah, and, no, that, that, I, that's a great that's a great concept. So so that's how the that's how the manufacturers look at it. For distributors, it's it's um, it's different. Some distributors. When I was a distributor, I felt this way. If my customer can get a discount and it doesn't come out of my pocket, I'm happy for them. Yeah. Um, this is money that's coming directly from the manufacturer. Um, and yes, if you're a distributor and you're on a cost plus program and uh, and the, the cost of the case goes down, um, sure, you're going to make a little bit less. But you've also got a customer who's financially stronger, um, yeah. able to grow, able to increase the number of locations, able to pay the bill at the end of the 14 days. So again, I was happy for my customer if they were able to uh, to save a little bit of money. Yeah, I think that, and, and they're going to be happier with you, right? Th- then that's when you start to form more of the, you know, it's like a, the partnership relationship, right? How do you, how do you find the win-win long-term? And if you're, if you're only thinking of how do I optimize this month, then sure, that could be tough. But if you're really in it for the partner and you, you know, as a partnership and you want that win-win, then yeah, you want to see them succeed. If it, even if it means a dollar less for you now means that you keep a customer for another couple of years, right? That's exactly right, Zach. And if, if, you're in a, if you're in a trading relationship where it's, it's based solely on the dollars, it's the wrong relationship. Um, because um, as you said, beef prices spiked. So, so if you're if you have hamburgers on your menu, what are you going to do? Say that's it. I'm not selling hamburgers. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to deal with it because it's about menu mix. And you know when beef prices go up, you promo chicken. And 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 so your distributor ought to be coming to you and saying, "Here's what I notice. You know, we've got three new items that we can uh, recommend to you: that uh, a beef item, a, a fish item, and a uh, and a plant-based burger that might be able to offset some of the higher beef prices today." Those are the discussions that operators ought to be having with distributors, not fighting about beef price, which is global, which neither of them can do anything about anyway. Yeah, right. And and at the end of the day, you know, when me as a end user, as the actual consumer of the food, when I went into the restaurant and there was like signage there explaining what went on and why the beef was temporarily, all the prices were raised a dollar, it's like, I, those are types of things where I feel like distributors can, can help, right? They're seeing a lot of restaurants. So help share some of the best practices. Hey, I saw, you know, what, what did I see down the street? Um, share that, you know, and, and I think that there are some people who did it well and others who didn't. Some people just took beef all the way off their menu and other people raised prices and other people just kind of like closed their eyes and hoped it would pass soon. Um, but I feel like those who were proactive in communicating with guests created a great experience for me. I was happy p- to pay the other dollar because I understood the prices, right? Actually, to be totally honest, w- with people who I saw they didn't change their prices and still offered beef, I actually didn't order beef because I knew that they were, you know, they were hurting. So, um, yeah. well, you're an educated consumer. Yeah, yeah, I probably know a little bit more about you know the price of rice in China than than uh, the average consumer. Yeah. Um, but, but that's right, and and I and I think that perspective is right about talking to um, to uh, to other to distributors and and getting information from them. I know that I uh, I was I did purchasing for a commercial bakery uh, for many years, 
And I would talk to anybody because my assumption was the people that were coming to call on me talked to 40 bakeries a week. I only talked to one. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great point. And, and let's say that I'm that bakery and, you know, I'm sitting here listening about this group purchasing and it sounds really cool, but like, what do I do? Like, how do I, how do I even get into one of these groups? Like, what do I do? Well, group purchasing is a little bit like buying a car. Um, You could go on the internet and Google it and something might come up and you can, you can certainly call them and they may be the right one. But I think that, that um, I think that operators ought to do an evaluation process. Um, I'm biased, um, you know, but the reason that I work with the company that I do is because of the choices out there. I truly believe that, that they're the best one. Um, they're, they're fully transparent. Um, they, they really have customers' uh, best interest at heart. And I would certainly encourage people to call me and um, I could tell you the things that, uh, that you should look for in a program. Um, some of the things I, you know, I had mentioned, is it rebates? Is it contract pricing? Is it both? Um, are there long-term deals, I'm sorry, are there long-term contracts that you have to sign to be a part of a group? That to me would be a huge red flag. If, mm. uh, you know, if, if, someone, if someone said, join my group purchasing program, all you have to do is sign up for five years and I'll save you money, um, big red flag. Um, I, I always say when talking about group purchasing, we have to be like the dishwasher. Um, you, know, you, you have to be able to fire us at will. If, if we're not doing a good job, uh, washing dishes, and you've you've asked us to correct it, and we haven't. Um, then we should be an at will type of relationship, and it should be able to end, um, you know, in a month. That's a that's a great point because I feel like a lot of times if you don't do enough research, and with how busy everyone is now, especially these restaurant owners and operators, it's like, especially if you have a one two location shop, I mean, like the thought of going out and researching all this group purchasing could be daunting. And so it could be easy to just kind of like, you know, sign on the dotted line, wherever, you know, where, where you find their first bite. Um, so so Zach, let me, let me, let me make a point on that because that, that's actually part of the evaluation. There are, there are groups that are designed just for chains and there are groups that are designed for independence and the, the services really are different. And, um, and some of the choices within those are different. That's a great point. Yeah. So, so not only look for group purchasing, but look for ones that are fit who you are as a restaurant now, and then what you want to become. That, that's right. I, I, I have this adage that big companies should do business with big companies and small companies should do business with small companies. Like that. So what, what other piece of advice would you have for owners, operators um, who are looking to get into group purchasing? Well, sure. I had mentioned that I'm, um, I'm connected with, uh, with some group purchasing. Um, the one that I'm involved with is called Consolidated Concepts. You can find it at consolidatedconcepts.net. It's really designed for chains and um, um, it's a full-on program, 450 plus chains that, that include all of the services that I talked about. They have a sister company called Dining Alliance that's really designed for independence. And um, again, the services are, are very different. They're, they're, they're regionalized, um, connected with particular distributors. And um, both organizations have full sales departments that can answer questions, tell you how it works, and of course, get you signed up. Okay, so it's Consolidated Concepts for Chains and Dining Alliance for Independence? Yes. Okay, awesome. A- anything else you want to add, Edward? Um, 
you know, I, I'm in the food industry because I think it's the most important business in the world. Um, if you think about that first level survival, that food, clothing, and shelter, um, um, you know, you can be homeless and you can be naked, but if you don't eat, you can't live. And I, I think that what Amen. we do in the food industry is the most important thing. I think that feeding people is not only um, physically important, but spiritually important and emotionally. And I think that um, for those of us that are really serious about doing it, um, it is the right place to be in our lives. And um, I think it's a great honor. That's awesome. Um, anything else, Edward? Um, Zach, you know, I have, I have so much to say. Um, you and I have also talked about building a better relationship with distributors. Um, this is this is run about the time that you normally have them. Why don't you invite me back and let you and I talk about best ways to build a, a great relationship with your distributor? I would love that. That would be awesome, Edward. That would be awesome. my honor. So here are my key oh, takeaways yeah. from today. Number one, you may have a good price, but you don't have the best. I think that's important to remember. There's always better to go. Two, take your ego and emotion out of buying. And, uh, you know, group purchasing can help you do that. Three, partner with your distributors. Really excited for the next episode. We're going to have you on and talk about that. And then number four, look at group purchasing. I mean, look into this. This is a great way to save money. I know it's really sexy to get more revenue and that's great. And please keep doing that, but also optimize the revenue that's coming in and uh, group purchasing finding ways to optimize that, that price, getting better pricing on things are, is a great way to do that. So, you know, for helping us learn about group purchasing and in advance for coming back to help us talk about the distributor uh, operator relationship, today's ovation goes to you, Edward. Thank you so much for joining us and giving ovation. In the meanwhile, how do people find you, follow you? Sure. Um, it's uh, thefoodconnector.com. Um, I'm E. Zimmerman at thefoodconnector.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, um, either at, under Edward Zimmerman or The Food Connector. And uh, if you want to call, it's 415-785-8539. And I'm always happy to talk to people about the business. Awesome. Well, looking forward to having you back on, sir. Great. Thanks, Zach. I really appreciated your time today. Likewise. Glad you're with us today and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.